Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host, Alex, and with me I have Logan. How are you, Logan? Yeah, good evening, Alex. Uh, doing pretty well. A, uh, another successful weekend. And um, I don't know, it feels feels like things are looking up around uh, Tiger Town at the moment. Absolutely. It feels like the mood has definitely shifted since the last time we spoke off the back of the Norwich and Doncaster uh, defeats. Uh, we got the victory against Blackburn to discuss. And, of course... Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the big news to go with it is is the inclusion in the starting lineup being uh, Scott Twine on loan from Burnley, replacing Jason Lakilo in the starting lineup. I guess probably a word first on that signing and, and what you made of it. Yeah, I thought it was an unbelievable uh, bit of business. And I mean, in some ways, it kind of felt like we already had him, uh, you know, last season. Like he was, you know, sometimes you kind of get attached to those, those rumours and um, it, it seems kind of inevitable. And I think it was just because of, you know, the league he was in at the time and the aspirations that we were showing at the club. It, it sort of, you know, sounded like a match made in heaven and we're obviously uh, beaten to the punch by by Burnley. And, um, yeah, it's, it seems like a lot can happen in, in 12 months of football and uh, it seems like we're a really ready-made fit for, for where he's at at the moment. And, um, you know, obviously a, a player that uh, oozes class and it will certainly uh, provide a lot more... Uh, from set pieces for us, so um, well, and and then some. But yeah, look, he's. Uh, I thought that he started incredibly well, um, given the fact that it was a pretty pretty swift inclusion into the team. Given he only just got signed, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how he develops. But yeah, a, a signing that I think um, many people will echo my thoughts in saying it's a um, one that we're excited about. Yeah, and, and it was certainly a, an exciting start to the game, and. Um, I suppose something that we commented on after the Doncaster and Norwich games was perhaps the fact that the the style wasn't shifting as quickly as some might have liked. But we've certainly seen over the last couple of games against Chef Wednesday and now against Blackburn um, that attacking edge is really is really emerging in this city side, and we're really putting teams on the back foot. And, and you saw, I mean, I think there's a lot of commentary around how we performed after the red card, but even before the red card, and actually what led to the red card was. City playing on the front foot, Delat terrific with his ability to, to take the ball back to goal and sort of turn his defender uh, and get into that space and, and what led to that red card. But, you know, you look at some of the efforts from Twine, um, Slater, uh, Delap, as mentioned. I mean, there was a lot of really positive play from City even before that red card. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you touched on it, but the, the passing stat, I, I can't remember how many completed passes it was, but it was like up in the high 600s, I believe. Um, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, and and that really speaks to you know the philosophy of Rosinha and how it's now starting to kind of you know play out. And let's not forget as well, we're away from home. I, I know that it's it's much harder to go to you know a championship club like Blackburn, who had a pretty impressive season last year, and you know by all reports, even this season look like they're going to be you know certainly fighting for those promotion places. And you know to go to to go to their house and and perform as you said, like bravely in the way that we did even prior to the red card, um, you know, it certainly bodes well and it really does appear that uh, the gaffer's philosophy is starting to, um, you know, be bought into um, and applied by the players. Yeah, and then I guess the only really disappointing element was when that red card happened and Rossini said it himself after the game that the players probably, as as we did as supporters and you you can't help but do it, you you sort of take for granted that, right, okay, they're, they're down a man, 
it really sort of sews the game up for us. Uh, I maybe took our foots off the gas a little bit because, of course, that then let them come back into the game a bit in that second half, got that goal uh, to put themselves ahead before we, we came back and won it. Um, with, with the goal itself that they scored from Gallagher, I, I guess talking controversial incidents, what was your take on his um, stamp on, was it Greaves, I think it was, um, that went actually completely unpunished? I didn't realise at the time he didn't even get a card for it. Yeah, it was something that as I watched it, um, you know, live, I was I was concerned about. And when I saw replays, I was kind of more frustrated by it. So um, I, I'm not really too sure what was going on there. Um, I, I guess that, you know, the more we watch the championship, uh, I, I guess that there's a few, uh, maybe when you talk about VAR, I guess there's a few levels of things that, uh, that you know, aren't necessarily at the disposal of the referees as perhaps there are in the Premier League. And, we only need to look back to Norwich with the, you know, the ball crossing the line um, as another kind of example of that. But yeah, I was, I was perplexed by it. And, um, you know, I guess it was one of those ones that in, in reflection of the game, I was surprised that, um, you know, that, that it wasn't taken into account. Yeah. My frustration with that was sort of amplified when he got a yellow card 20 minutes later and you think, like geez, you know, if he's, if he's on the yellow already, he'd be off there. But, um, and of course it had to be him to pop up with the goal and which which is really what sparked us into action. And it's funny because you can see that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree when it comes to the Steve Bruce school of tactics of if you're chasing a game and you've got strikers on the bench, just throw them all on and hope something works. Because I think, um, Rosinia said after the game, we ended the game with Lakilo and uh, Vaughan as basically our fullbacks because we just had all our attacking options on the pitch. Uh, but it worked. And I think I think really actually you have to reflect it gives and give some credit to Delap with that work rate and the effort that he put into running that Blackburn defense so ragged in the first half in particular that when Connolly came on there were those gaps in the space for him to exploit with both both goals really being balls over the top that he was he was able to take advantage of. Oh, absolutely, and uh, I mean we we look back on on this side of the game and uh, you know the highlights are just like two two incredible goals. And as you said, it was almost like a, a chess match where we eventually broke them down. Um, and it was always going to give it. It actually reminded me, as you said, the Gallagher could have you know been a second a second send off of that game. Uh, I think it was against West Ham in the Premier League, where they went to nine men and we still were struggling to to kind of find that breakthrough and I think it eventually happened but it just had it had vibes of of that kind of performance um and and I guess that the other thing with with Resinia's tactics as you said you kind of mentioned how brave he was with with throwing all the, all the strikers on and it's one of those games where if he doesn't do that and you get a one all draw um you know we settle for a point and, and people go away going oh we should have won we should have won equally if We've we've got a team of of strikers essentially on the field, and and Blackburn, which they so easily could have done, is is pinched a late a late goal, you know, essentially against the run of play. Um, it, it's it's such a high risk, high reward, like really difficult to come back from. But um, there's I guess there's always going to be critics, and I think as as football fans, we're the first to to jump up and say, oh, he should have done this, he should have done that. And um, in this particular instance, I am really glad, not just because we got the three points, but it shows a young manager that, that has confidence to, to really, you know, proverbially throw the kitchen sink when, when the game requires it. And could have easily gone the other way, but um, I'm, I'm really kind of proud of, of Resinia in the way that he is, is a, a manager that is kind of uh, like, I want to say playing the game without fear. And I, I think that's the type of uh, philosophy that kind of, 
will be instilled into the players, which does help you have confidence when you go away from home and you are willing to kind of, you know, control possession and, and, and knock it around a little bit and not just not just hoof it and, and hope for the best. Yeah, and I think it was that probably that play where Ingram pulled off a, a fantastic save one-on-one with that man Gallagher again. Um, and then I think it was Coyle who cleared off the line on their follow-up. Mm. Um, yeah, which which really kept us in it, um, which was which was fantastic to see. Um, I've, I've, I've lost my train of thought. What was I going to say there? But, but yeah, look, I think that's it. I think it's the fact that, um, oh, that's what I was going to say is, is, yeah, I think that the... The, the great thing about it as well, as you allude to with like, you know, potentially it ending up as a 1-1 draw is we spoke pre-season about the fact that we needed to turn a lot of those 1-1 draws from last season into wins. And this is, I guess, the first example of, you know, the so-called this would have been a 1-1 last season, but because we have these options off the bench that we can bring on and you think this season we're bringing your Connolly and, and your Oscar and uh, your Vaughan and your Lakilo off the bench, whereas last season you maybe you're bringing kids off the bench because, you know, you've got two fans as your starting striker. We just don't have the depth. So you can see that the depth, and, and look, we'll talk in a bit about the the signings that we've been linked to for this week, but the depth at the club is just growing and the quality in the squad is just growing. And, um, you know, we'll talk Bristol City to, to round off the episode, but uh, you start to get on a bit of a run and, and all of a sudden things look pretty pretty rosy. Pardon the pun. No, absolutely. And, you know, as, as you mentioned, those, those one points, I mean, it, it feels as fans, like when you get a, a one point draw, it's like, oh, we got away with the point. And, and every point does count. But as you said, like the difference between claiming three points and, and getting zero points as opposed to one points, like that's, I know this sounds like a, you know, infant's mass lesson at the moment, but there, there is a substantial difference in those three points as far as the, the end of the season you know, ladder goes. And, and it ultimately is wins that speak for themselves, not necessarily the accumulation of, of three, you know, three draws. So if you kind of, you know, if you like to weigh it up like that, um, a, a win is, is, a, is a crucial, um, you know, part of, of the season, not just accumulating these draws, then finding out that we're, you know, a couple of points short at the end of the season, whereas you'd rather, you know, throw the kitchen sink when you have the opportunity. And I think, that was a sign of good management on the weekend where Rosinha recognised that, that it was actually one of those things that if he gets the three points out of it um, and the feeling in in the camp this week will be one of huge confidence as opposed to, oh, well, we got a point at Blackburn, you know, roll up next week. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, who are your uh, men of the match? Yeah, this one this one is a difficult one for me. I think that the the three points has to go to Connolly uh, for you know for the brace and ultimately you know being the match winner. I um I, I thought Seri was good and and I did want to kind of you know pay homage to that to the assist, but I, I thought Lily Coyle had a had a fantastic game um, you know getting forward and I, I like to show a bit of parody because I think I panned him after the Norwich game and and thought that it was horrible um, you know <laughs> playing out from the back and. And I don't think I don't think that that's Louis Coyle's strength. But when Louis Coyle gets forward, he's um you know his involvement in the play um is fantastic. So I've got two points for him. And uh, look, th- there was a whole host of players. I, I thought thought Twine could have been my one point, but I actually ended up giving my one point to Delap because I thought that he was you know as we mentioned before, he was just the critical piece in in kind of how the the match panned out, despite not getting on the score sheet himself, I thought he just, he's just a real handful and I'm, I'm loving what I see from him. So what, what have I gone? Three for Connolly, 
two for Coyle and one for Talat. Brilliant. <clears throat> yeah, I think it's interesting with Coyle, as you say. Um, Dan and I sort of talked about it last week, but it's almost like we're playing this lopsided formation where Coyle's almost playing as a right winger and we're playing with a back three where Greaves is playing like a left-back suit, you know, come centre-back, um, yep. which is really interesting because it does seem to be playing to Coyle's strengths in that sense. Um, yeah, I, I went Connolly for the three votes as well. I think it's hard to go past him for, for man of the match. Um, I did go Seri for the two votes. I thought um, the assist, but also his general play, his 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 yeah. work rate in midfield. And I think we're seeing the best of him now that he's playing in a side of quality players where he can have that reliability with who he's passing it to and, and interplay with some of these players. Um, I thought it was a terrific game from him. And then, yeah, I went, I went Twine with the one vote. I thought he was really sharp and, and on it early in the game, um, showed what he can do, great sort of danger from set pieces, had a few shots. I think he had three shots in total for the game, which was great to see. Um, but echo your thoughts on Delap. I thought he had a terrific game as well. Um, well, we'll talk off-field news then. And, and boy, there has been some off-field news since our last episode. Um, just a few bits of transfer news breaking, obviously, with the signing of Twine that we've already discussed. But then also, uh, we, we were sort of half-linked to uh, Jaden Philogene early in the window when I think somebody asked Baz in a Q&A, if we were going to try and sign him and Baz said, no, I'm not saying anything. So it wasn't a no. That all sort of went away because he had such a terrific preseason with Villa and everyone, including Villa supporters, expected him to be involved in their first team. Um, and and all of a sudden he's, it's from, from all reports at least, um, as a done deal, as a as a permanent signing for us for £5 million, if, um, if you don't mind, uh, with Keenan Davis, his Villa teammate, um, basically being thrown in for an extra million to round out a £6 million pound double deal um a few other bits of transfer news as well to discuss but we'll, we'll just just on these two players first of all what i mean i think philogene was on loan at cardiff last season scored five goals which as a winger in a struggling side is is actually a pretty reasonable return i would say um and uh kenan davis got seven in 34 for watford which uh, you know i think he's sort of more of that you know hesky style hold up you know um center forward uh which you know, it's it's an interesting one with him coming in because I wonder what it means for Oscar's future at the club. But what, what what's your take on these two players? Well, the one thing that I did say, um, I'm pretty sure it was about Philogene, was that um, they actually wanted to insert a buyback buyback clause. Um, if that's the case, I think that probably speaks to how highly regarded he is. Um, and I'm really surprised um, to echo you know your your sentiments that that he is someone that you know potentially may be able to leave. Um, Unless, you know, that speaks to Villa might have something in the works themselves. I, I'm, I'm really not sure. But I, I think, think they've that just, be... yeah, I think they've, they've, they've just signed a couple of wingers, which people think is why he might be allowed to leave. Yeah, certainly. And so to, to see that, I, I think that it would be a, a huge coup if, uh, you know, if he was he was to sign. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think the, the one with Davis is just, it, it, to me, straight away, rings alarm bells about what that means for Oscar. Um, mm. Not that I would necessarily call Oscar a, a Hesky-esque hold-up striker, but he certainly is, um, you know, in a, in a different mould of, of some of the other, um, you know, players that we do have leading our line. So, look, uh, it, that that to me is more surprising. I think the Philogene one is is just exciting. Um, Davis Fano is a big question mark, but, look, if, if it happens, I'm sure that Resinia seems to have some kind of purpose in his planning and it again it just speaks speaks to how much um you know Azure is is loving this idea of, of backing the club so 
he's obviously um, as much of a club owner as he is. He, he seems like as much of a fan and he seems to be riding the same level of hype and waves that, that we are after three rounds. Absolutely. Um, look, there's talks that are still ongoing with Palace over Raksaki coming in online, another talented winger. Um, you know, he came off the bench against Arsenal this morning, our time, and Hodgson has come out and said he wants him to stay. So you never know what's going to happen. And, you know, Leicester, I think, are linked with him as well. So you never know if that one's going to happen as well. Um, I suspect that that's one of those ones where it's, you know, keeping a few irons in the fire. So if Philo Jane hadn't happened, we were still in for, we were still advanced with somebody else. And look, if it doesn't happen, I don't think we're going to be too upset in that sense. Um, Goalkeeper also continues to be linked. You know, I've seen a few rumours around Tom Heaton at United or um, Allsop at Cardiff, I think, were the two names um, there. Um, and then also still pursuing another centre mid now that um, Bird is out for eight to ten weeks with an injury. So no no sort of mention at this stage on who that centre mid would be. But I think Ajun did an interview yesterday with Baz where he basically said those are probably the other three positions that we're still looking to fill. Mm. Well, it's, it, it sounds like it's... Um... Uh, obviously all happening in the behind closed doors at the moment, but really exciting. I, I think that that is kind of what, what the takeaway is. It's really nice to have the transparency to hear, you know, from the, the owner, no less about, about who we really are in the market for what positions we're looking to fill. It's, it's very different to the experience under the, you know, the alum regime where everything was very kind of tight lipped, hush, hush. There was very few promises or, you know, comments kind of made, whereas this is a very different experience. And you can see um, how much more kind of clarity and how much more, I guess, at ease it puts the fans. Yeah, interesting coming here from uh, Cameron as well, um, which is, is probably a fair point. You know, as much as we're loving all the wingers and attackers coming in, another central defender for depth is um, is probably something that we haven't really considered. And, you know, it's interesting, I guess, we've got Greaves, Maka and Jones as I guess the three main centre backs where you think the moment with Vinagre, uh, you know, somewhat somewhat uh, injury prone, I suppose you'd say with the games that he's missed to date. Um, if touching wood, if, if one of the centre backs were to go down, you certainly find yourself in a bit of a hole because you're, you're basically playing the three centre backs that we have at the moment. Uh, yeah. So look, it's a fair point and whether we'd look at, you know, Deadline day always throws up something a bit wild. You know, last year we brought in um, Vale and Simons on deadline day when no one really expected them. So maybe there's a case that you could bring in a, um, a centre-back from a Premier League club who's fallen down the pecking order as just a bit of depth. Um, but we'll see what happens on that one. The other the other interesting news that's sort of broken in the last day or so um, with uh, conversations with Ajun, where, as you say, he does seem to like to um, mention a few things and may well explain this uh, splash of transfer activity is a few major sponsorship deals looking likely to be sewn up. Um, one supposedly with one of Britain's most iconic brands, which would be interesting to see what that ends up being, uh, and two other hefty deals in the works. Um, mm -hmm. Now, of course, there was, um, I think it's Ulka is, is his name, the uh, Turkish biscuit magnate or uh, tycoon or whatever adjective you'd use to describe him, has been attending a number of City games last season and this. Uh, you know, he's you know, one of the richest men in the world, billionaire, um, who, who there were sort of rumours around him becoming involved in, with City in terms of sponsorship. And I think he's the man behind, is it McVitie's, I think is the name for it, which is like a biscuit over in Britain. So if that that could link up with, you know, Britain's iconic brands as perhaps the, the, the link there. But I suspect I'm not too surprised at this sponsorship news when you look at the business where, you know, all of a sudden able to do it seems as if there is a bit of a cash injection going on 
look, whatever it is, I, I like it and keep it coming. Absolutely. And look, and then actually this was the, uh, the the other topic I wanted to raise with all of these incomings. Um, of course, incomings will mean outgoings. Cameron asks, what do we think about the players on the way out? Potentially Oscar, Ali, uh, Cynic, Doc. You could throw Woods in there as well, Longman as well. Um, there's a few players that you probably think, you know, if not on permanent, certainly on loan, just to, you know, Simons is another one where you could say give him some playing time. Um mm-hmm. Just even just to get wages off the books, to get the squad to a manageable size, um, you, you'd think a, a number of those would be on the way out. Oh, you, it, it would have to be for, as you said, sheerly for rotation. And when you consider the fact that we've already had an exit from the League Cup, which I know that isn't necessarily reason to keep players on the books, knowing that you've got, you know, some early round cup that not many people will, will care about for quite some time, but does provide a good opportunity to rotate players. Oh, I can definitely see, see movement. I know a few of those players have been linked as well. I think I saw um, Ali off to maybe an MLS side, um, Colorado, perhaps I think it was. But yeah, yeah look, I, I think that that's a, um, that's a great point. There's, there's some players in that, in that fixture. And I, I guess it really depends on what Rosinia believes is his, his kind of best squad. But the fact that there is incredible competition for um, for places, um, I, I don't know. That's that's maybe a question as well that I'd be interested to gather your thoughts on. Like, who out of that group of players would you um, be really hesitant to part with, perhaps? Uh, if I'm being completely blunt, I don't think any. Mm. And that's un- that's mm. a really unfortunate thing to say because I think I had such high hopes for Ali, um, yep. probably coming into last season after his loan spell, but. I think coupled with his injuries and also just the fact that he, his output just doesn't seem to be there um, and presumably on a reasonable wage as well, um, yeah. you sort of think if you're able to recoup at least partly some of the fee that we paid for him, similar with Cynic, um, uh, you know, I, I think given the fees that we paid for them in the first place, if you can recoup some of that, um, it does go some way to, to paying for these players coming in. And I think Ajun himself put it best almost when he was saying today that last summer we weren't able to attract as much British talent because they just didn't buy into the project and he relied on bringing in players who already knew him and knew what he was about but now that we're a year progressed and we can actually get you know the quote-unquote higher quality players to come in come into the club you almost kind of have to to then sell some of these players we've already seen Tete leave um Oscar I'd love to keep I think I, I saw the point made that you know, when you kind of take away the goals he scored in August and September last year, he didn't have a great strike rate for the rest of the season and, and question marks maybe on whether he fits into Rosenia's style of play and the fact he hasn't started any league games so far this season. You know, you think he's still got 13 goals, 14 goals last season, so maybe that puts him in a pretty decent price bracket for a, for another championship club potentially. I don't know. Um, now that he's sort of proven himself in England somewhat, um, you get eight, nine million for him, all of a sudden you kind of, that that pays for your Philogene and, and Davis deals. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think I'd, I'd be too unhappy losing any of those. I think I think the ones that I'd also like to see potentially go out on loan would be guys like uh, Koval and Vaughan. If if we get to the end of the window, we're really comfortable with our, our depth and our stocks. I'd be saying, you know, whether they could find like a top league one club to go out on loan to and, and get that regular game time, I think might do them some good as well. Yeah, and I guess then the other question that I'd I'd probably add to that is, do you think that those players that we've, we're talking about that are being linked, do you think that they're a, a kind of a vast improvement on 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 who w- would be 
kind of replace it? Yeah, look, it's a fair question. And I think it's very easy to get sucked into the hype of um, some of these players. You look at Ebuwe coming in last season, we all thought he was going to be brilliant and amazing and, and score a ton of goals for us and, and didn't do a whole lot. And so there's always the risk that a Philogene or uh, if we did get like a Raksaki, we could be quite excited and then they could end up not offering a whole lot. But I also look at, you know, the output that we've had from a Longman, from an Alley, from a Cynic so far, and, and, and it's not as if you need to be doing a whole lot to be an upgrade on them. Um, I guess it then also comes down to what the wages wage differences are um and all that sort of thing and if you if you're looking at like a cynic and saying well can we get a decent fee for him heading back to turkey maybe just try and capitalize on it yeah absolutely i'm kind of undecided i don't think i've seen enough of the um you know of the potential incomings to to kind of make a judgment call but as you said none of those players i think we're kind of kicking and screaming, um, saying, you know, don't get rid of it. And I think the fact that in that sense, we're um, pretty well, with maybe the exception of Oscar. Um, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think we'd be pretty happy to, um, you know, to see, to see shipped out, whether on loan or, or permanent. So I think that maybe answers the question. But regardless, it's, it's exciting times to, to kind of hear about the prospect and, and the plan that, that does seem to be in place for um, you know, the, the personnel. It's, um, it's, it's exciting. Well, one of the players that we did bring in this, uh, this summer on a permanent deal, we'll, we'll talk about now as our player of the week. Um, when I sort of set this up, I was sort of thinking I'd go through um, based on sort of how long the players have been at the clubs, but I thought I couldn't pass up the opportunity to look at Aaron Connolly this week, mm-hmm. given his brace and um, winning performance against Blackburn. Um, the incredible stat that I noticed today when doing the research on him was in his five goals in eight appearances for us so far, he's already equaled the the total number of goals he's scored at any other club he's been at. So he had five in 46 for Brighton. He had two in a loan spell for Borough. But other than that, his best scoring spell is at City where he's already got five and eight. So you think, you know, everyone could sort of treat with a healthy dose of skepticism, Rossini bringing him into the club and thinking he could put an arm around him and turn his form around. But boy, has it sort of borne fruit so far. Um, you know, obviously on loan last season, only made a handful of appearances before an injury. Looking touch wood that he's, he's staying fit this season so far and, and finding the back of the net. But he, he looks a very astute signing for what was presumably a pretty nominal fee. Yeah, and we spoke about this. I think you know when uh, when we did the uh, the podcast at the start of the the season with the Tallinn uh, back boys, and you know, kind of launched our predictions for for the season. He was probably the player. I think we actually hadn't signed him at the time uh, officially. Um, he was probably the player that I had the highest hopes for, um, given the fact that we did just see you know very small uh, flashes of brilliance from him in the in the time that he did play him. Um, what it did sound like to me uh, from, you know, Rosinha's post-match reaction was, you know, he, he's aware of the history of Connolly, obviously, um, you know, with his injury-plagued kind of season. For someone who, I believe he's only 23, maybe? Yeah, 20, yeah, yeah. He's incredibly young still. And, um, you know, for the, all of the, the plaudits and hype that he has kind of warranted, um, you know, that as you said, that goal-scoring record isn't to match, but that's largely due to injury, I think, as opposed to, you know, um, you quality, know, a, yeah, a, a yeah. quality, a lack of form. And so um, I think when I heard Rosinha say at the moment, he's only capable of playing 30 minutes. And so that's kind of where we're going to keep him. I think that 
Rosinha's learned his lesson uh, from, he understands the quality that Connolly has, but also realises particularly where he's at now, it's important uh, to, to manage him. And if that's if that's what it looks like for the next few weeks and, you know, before he starts playing those those larger chunks, um, I, I think it's it, it would be fascinating to see what, what his ceiling as a player is. Yeah, Cameron asked, did we find out why it was a one-year deal, conduct or fitness? I think I think it was actually at Connolly's own request, or at least that's the way that Brasenia spun it in public. May well yeah. have been the club's request. You know, you, you never know the exacts on that. But I suspect it was basically from both sides, it was a case of, of making sure he could get through the season to some degree fully fit. Um, I would suspect that there's some sort of trigger in his contract that if he makes a certain number of appearances, by January, maybe that it would trigger a longer term deal, or maybe at the end of the season would trigger a longer term deal. I think, you know, I don't think there's any. Re- I know that there was a lot of concern when we first signed him that, oh, look, if he comes comes and has a great one year with us, is he going to go off to some other club for free? I think, you know, you'd certainly hope that. I think that the intention would be that he will be signing a longer term deal with us here, very similar to Alfie Jones. Really, when we first signed him in League One, it was a one year deal. I think probably from his perspective to say, well, I don't want to get stuck in a, with a League One team. We went straight up to the championship and he signed a longer term deal. So I think it's I think that's that's probably it. Yeah, and, and also in, in many ways, I think it's probably the the best style contract for both parties. I mean, Connolly seems like an ambitious player who's obviously, you know, had Premier League quality um, you know, thus far. And obviously that's our ambition to get back there. So in in some ways, if if he does prove to be injury prone and isn't able to help that cause this season, well, it's no real you know skin off our neck. So that's that's, that's an incredible an incredible um you know prospect to have a player of that quality that is on a contract that largely benefits the club. Um, yeah, I, I, w- I would say. So uh, you know, I, I'm actually I'm stoked about that, and I think that if we could create any environment to see Connolly play his best football, then a 12 month deal is, you know, I think where it's at. And I think to be honest, from his perspective as well, talking about the fact that it's already basically the best spell he's had in, in club football. I don't think he'd be in a rush to leave um, yeah. knowing that if he stays here for another couple of years, it'll, it's only going to help his development. So I think, I think it's the best thing for all parties um, as it's set up. Um, all right, well, we'll finish things off talking about the game against Bristol City this weekend. Um, coming up against Nigel Pearson, which I, I always enjoy the fact that uh, it's sort of mentor against mentee with uh, Rosenia going up against Pearson. And um, it was interesting, actually, I didn't realise quite how poor our record was against them. It's, it's just the one win in the 10 games, um, most 10 most recent games against them, with that one win being opening day of last season where uh, Sari got the winner um, in stoppage time. Uh, they've they've had an okay start to the season. They had a win and a draw, um, and uh, won five one in the league cup against Oxford. And I think they also had a loss in their most recent game. Um, so I think there's a little bit of impatience starting up with Nigel Pearson. But I think you know they're they're doing reasonably well with um, the, the squad that they have. They they sold their best player Alex Scott to uh, Bournemouth in the summer for about twenty five million. I think it was in the end. But um, sounds as if that. The, the income from that deal has basically gone to just kind of covering the wage budget and everything for the club as it is because of uh, maybe a couple of FFP issues. But they have managed to bring in uh, Rob Dickey from QPR and Jason Knight from Derby, who are a couple of handy players. So um, squad's in reasonable shape. Um, probably, I'd probably say that they're not quite at the same level as like a Blackburn who we've just faced, but they're definitely in that sort of mid-table bracket of teams, I think, where you, you wouldn't be expecting a win but you would think it's a very winnable game 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's probably largely, uh, you know, how you have to play the opening rounds to a championship season because, like, as we've seen so many times, the squad that you put out on paper means, you know, essentially nothing. Um, it's it's so much more about chemistry and, uh, like, momentum seems to be the funniest thing over 46 games and, you know, how many of those runs can you go on uh, when every week, you know, keeps you incredibly honest. So, yeah, I agree. I think that the, um, you know, the the storyline of, of Racine versus Pearson is, is one that you can kind of buy into and it'll certainly be a, um, you know, an, an added extra. Um, but, yeah, as you said, there's certainly no reason to fear Bristol, but uh, it will be a difficult, um, you know, a difficult match. And I guess another another opportunity to see, you know, this, this Racine-style football and, you know, how many passes are there going to be? Uh, the fact that, it's it's against a, a club that will um, you know make us make, I say make us play. That sounds like the the biggest cliche in football, but we are going to have to you know be as I guess as aggressive as we were last week against Blackburn um, because it is at home obviously, and there's probably that added expectation to to take three points at home against a, a squad like Bristol. Uh, so yeah, look, certainly no reason to fear them, but. Uh, and a trickly, what am I trying to say? A prickly one. Yeah, and you don't want to look too far ahead, but we do have Leicester the uh, the game after. So you sort of think if we could knock off Bristol Bristol City uh, heading into that Leicester game, suddenly on a, on a three-game winning winning streak, that makes that game really interesting. Um, but as the cliches go, one game at a time. So we'll, we'll focus on Bristol City for this week. But um, look, I guess the, the question would be then do you, whether you make any changes to that starting 11. Um, it, it looked it, it looked pretty strong going up against Blackburn. Um, I mean, I guess you could potentially say whether Lakilo gets the start to, to sort of push them on the back foot. But I thought the way that we played it with Coyle and, and Twine almost as the two wide players um, seemed to work very effectively. Yeah, and I guess a, another variable that you would like to throw in there is it's a Friday night fixture um, yeah. over there, Saturday morning our time. So you, I don't think we'll expect any more incomings in, in that time, which I guess, you know, given the fact that Twine was able to start um, after only just arriving through the door, could have, could have been another variable in, um, you know, in Resinia's starting lineup. But yeah, I don't think there'll be too much change. Uh, I, I think that this at this stage of the season, like on the back of that Blackburn performance, I'd be surprised to see if you know Racine you got too too creative. You want to try and build some kind of um, you know continuity, but um, yeah, look, I, I agree with you. I don't think we'll see too much. And we're one of the league's entertainers. I think we're the third or fourth top scorers in the league after the three games. So Ajun's maybe got his wish that we're uh, scoring for fun. So uh, what, what's your prediction for this one? Look, I, I have no reason to be confident, uh, to not be confident, sorry, given uh, given last weekend. Uh, I do, as, as you mentioned, I do think this is a tricky fixture. I think they're one of those teams that will keep us very honest. I'm not expecting to to blow them off the park. Um, I, I think any any victory will, will be good. I, I actually expect this one to be low scoring, but I'm going to be confident. I think I think we'll get them 1-0. Yeah, I was going to say 1-0 as well. I think... It'd be nice to get a clean sheet on the board um, this season. We haven't had one just yet, but yeah, I'd, I'd take a, uh, a nice one 0 win. Maybe a Delap goal um, would be good just to get him um, back amongst the scorers uh, for this one would be good. Um, but that's all. So thank you for joining me for this one, Logan. Yeah, no worries, Alex. It's good to be here.
No worries. And thanks everyone for listening in. Um, until this time next week, uh, we'll be back to discuss the result of that Bristol City game. But until then, come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast, The Tigers Down Under. For more discussion, join us on Facebook at the Hull City AFC Australia Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. There's no turning